You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. We're starting a brand new series today. We just finished up our My Story series last week, and we got to actually hear from people at Impact um, and hear how God has worked in their life. We got to see how God continuously moves in the life of, lives of His people, even when we don't see it. And we can just be confident in the fact that He's moving. And as we start walking through the book of Jonah together, my prayer for us is that we can, we can get to a place in our life where we're truly engaged in the mission of God. And I know that that may not sound exciting. That may not even sound like you have an idea what that even means. So what that isn't, what it is not, is that you have to go around door to door and tell people about Jesus and give them these little tracks uh, that people like to hand out. And I'm not saying that's bad. What I'm telling you is that the mission of God here at Impact, the vision and the mission and the purpose that he's given us is to engage people in the process of knowing God's love, growing in God's love, and showing God's love to the world. And I'm afraid that a lot of times what we do in in the, the church in America is we come to church to consume, but we don't really want to contribute very much to the body. And we're not trying to build an audience here. We're trying to build an army. We want people to go out and be on mission for God. And I believe that through this series, we can get to a place personally where we're following after Jesus like never before. Where we're truly engaging in the mission. Where we're truly allowing God to change our hearts, which changes our minds, which changes the way that we live life. Now, I want you to, if you have your Bibles, turn to to Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. That's where we're going to start this morning, and uh, the the verses will be on the screen. But this is what I want to encourage throughout this series. It's not something that we hit on a lot here, but I want to encourage you, if you have a Bible, to bring it and follow along and be engaged in the, the reading of Scripture. You can pull out your phones if you have your phone, you have the Bible app whatever you use for that. But if you don't have that, we still have these verses for you. I just want to encourage you throughout this series, especially, to just follow along. Take notes. How about this? So here's something that that really, from this side, right, me looking out, this is, this is something I'm going to ask you to do this series. I'm going to ask you to be involved in the series, right? I want to have a conversation with you guys. I don't want this just to be a monologue every week where I'm just talking. I want you guys to to really, you can talk back, you can say amen, you can say praise God, you can say what are you talking about? Say whatever you want. Let's have a conversation with each other because this is something that we're doing together. We're together engaging in the mission of God. And pull out some paper. I'm bringing notebooks next week for everybody just in case you don't have that. And I just want you to take notes. If you're not taking notes, just 
doodle or something, and I think that you're taking notes. So it helps me to know, man, look, they're engaged. And you could have three pages of pictures when you're done, but I think you're engaged. And man, it just, it helps as we have this conversation. But we'll be in Jonah chapter one. We're going to start in verse one. We're going to read verses one and two really quickly. I'm going to give you some context. And then we're just going to jump into how I really believe this series is going to change lives. So Jonah chapter one, verse one says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up before me. Let's pray. God, I just pray that you speak this morning through your spirit. God, I pray that lives are forever changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Really quick, context. Two, two things about Nineveh. One is Nineveh was a great city. What does that mean? It means that it was, for one, it was very big. Jonah later on tells us that it took three days to walk from one end to the other. It had big architecture, big buildings. It had the best singers, the best entertainers. It had the best culture life, unless you weren't part of the culture. And then it really wasn't a great place. And that's the second thing I want you to know about Nineveh is it was an evil city. These were extremely wicked, cruel people that lived here. And what they would do is they would, they would capture people and they would skin them. They would bury them alive. They would pull out their tongues and drive a stake through it so that these people would just, just be in pain and moan and they would thirst. And they did this all the while making them listen to Nickelback CD on repeat. These were cruel people. I made that last one up. But these people weren't very nice. They would rape women and kill them. They bragged about raping little girls. They beheaded everyone that they killed, and they made a mountain outside of the city so people could see, hey, if you mess with us, this is what happens to you. And Jonah, right, so... We understand, if, if you know anything about Scripture, that Jonah says, hey, I don't really want to go there. And one of the reasons is because Israel was one of the main targets. So people like Jonah, people that he knew, they were the victims of this cruelty. So Jonah actually had some, some personal bitterness towards this. And we see in chapter 3 that we'll get to in a few weeks, that Jonah actually says he didn't want to go because he didn't want them to repent and be forgiven. And that's how we truly know that he had bitterness towards them. They were enemies. These people were mean, cruel, wicked people. And Jonah and his people, Israel, were the main targets of that. Let's continue to read in verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So here's the, here's the story. God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. Clearly says that. Jonah clearly says, nope, I'm going the other way. And it's not just a little bit. This was 1,500 miles away. Jonah, was, he was fleeing. He was running as far 
away as he could. And it would be easy for us to say, man, Jonah must have been a bad prophet. Jonah must have just been this guy that didn't really love Jesus a whole lot. But that's not the truth. See, we see in the book of 2 Kings that Jonah was a premier prophet in Israel. He was like the Billy Graham of Israel. Jonah was an amazing guy. But there was one thing he was unwilling to do. And how does that resonate with us, right? How do, how do we relate to Jonah? Do we, do we really think that we don't have any area in our life that we're telling God no in? Because I think if we, if we really do some, some self-investigation, we'll realize that there's probably areas in our life where we run away from God. And through this series, my heart is that we recognize those areas and we begin to say yes. And we stop running away. What we do is we begin to compare right, our walk with other people. So we say, hey, you know what? I go to church more than they do. I give more than they do. I have better morals than they do. So we think that somehow we're okay with God, even though we're saying no in some areas. And this is what I want you to understand this morning. That rebellion doesn't mean that you're living a life that the world would say is crazy. Rebellion is simply saying no to God. And you can have it all together in every other area of your life, but that one area where you're saying no to God, you are living in rebellion. And I don't want to hurt your feelings this morning. I don't want you to leave here thinking, well, man, I'm not doing a very good job. My heart for us is that we just recognize where we are and that we begin to take steps of faith so that we can walk after Jesus better than we have before. So begin to just reflect and think about those things. Many people look like they are walking with God in every way. Think about some, some of the most godly people that you would, you would think, that you know. Think about how they live life. And on the outside, it looks like those people are walking close to God. But statistics show that over 68% of those people are telling God no in some area. We don't see that because we're looking on the outside, but God knows what's on the inside. Amen? Here's, I want to give you three quick points this morning. Number one is this, ready detours don't always lead to right destinations. Ready detours don't always lead to right destinations. We see in verse 3, it says, Jonah rose to flee. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. Here, here's the deal. He found a ship ready to go. And it's, it's astonishing to me that people think because the ship's ready to go in a certain direction that that's God's permission to take action. I want you to understand this morning that we have an enemy whose primary responsibility is to make sure there's a ship ready for us to disobey God. 
There will always be a ship ready for you if you want to run away. There's always going to be a ship that's ready. How many of you have ever heard or said this phrase? You don't have to raise your hand. But hey, I know that's what God wants me to do because I have peace in my heart about it. I've heard that. I've probably said that. And again, that's, that's us saying because we have peace about something that is God's way of saying, hey, go ahead with it. But again, I want you to really know this today. That our enemy is trying to give you peace about making the wrong decision. And if you don't believe me, let's, let's just think back to Genesis chapter 3, where Satan tempts Eve, tells her that she can eat any fruit she wants of this tree, that she is really not going to hurt her, it won't kill her, it'll actually make her better, and she actually has some peace in her heart to eat that fruit. Did that peace come from God? Not at all. Our enemy is there to give us peace about situations. Here's the problem with that. Peace in our heart can change based off what we ate last night, right? It just depends what kind of mood we're in that day. We could wake up after eight hours of sleep and say, man, I have peace in my heart about doing this. We can have a bad day at work and come home and say, my peace is gone. I don't think this is what I need to do. Listen, what we've started to do is we've allowed peace to supersede the Word of God. See, peace can change, but the Word of God always stays the same. The decisions that we make, the path that we walk, the steps that we take should be based off of God's Word, not just peace in our heart or a ship that's ready. Because I promise you, if you want to run away from God, there will be a ship that's ready to take you. So just because there's ready detours doesn't mean it leads to the right destination. Continue on reading. Verse 4 says, But the Lord, the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. Here's the picture. The sea begins to get crazy. You have people that are on this ship. That they're, they're pagan people. They, they worship other gods. And they're, they're all asking their gods, hey, what's happening? Who is sin? Tell us what's going on. Tell us how we can fix this. Nothing is going right for them. And Jonah is fast asleep in the bottom of the ship. So this is all Jonah's fault. And he's fast asleep in the bottom of the ship. Here's the second thing I want you to know this morning is that small disobedience can lead to spiritual disaster. Small disobedience can lead to spiritual disaster. I want you to understand that the word sleep here in the Hebrew means literally a, a spiritual coma, spiritual disaster. That Jonah wasn't just dozing, right? He wasn't just kind of taking a nap. This joker was just sleep, not just physically, but spiritually. 
Now, I want you to think about it like this. This is what happens with sin. It starts small, and then there's a drift that begins to happen. Have you ever been to the beach and you're out in the ocean and you start in front of one building and before you know it, you're like 15 condos over and you don't even know what happened? It's just a drift that happens. See, the adulterous relationship when you're 40 started with an addiction to pornography at 20. It's something that just didn't get dealt with and it just continued to spiral out of control. An eating disorder in your early to late 20s is because there's some jealousies and some things you didn't take care of in high school and things began to spiral out of control. A rebellious heart later in life, just not caring anything about God could be because of some unforgiveness or some bitterness that you didn't face early in life. And I want you to understand this morning that these drifts happen. Because small disobedience at the time, maybe it doesn't really affect us. But over time, we begin to drift farther and farther and farther away from God. And it becomes a spiritual disaster in our life. We end up in a spiritual coma because we didn't notice the drift. Verse 6, So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, so that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And Jonah answered, he said, I am Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Here's the third thing I want you to know this morning is that private sin causes other people to suffer. The sin that you do in private causes other people to suffer. For some of you, your family is suffering this morning because of your disobedience. Maybe you're in this place this morning and you've become, over time, because of disobedience, a bad father, an unfaithful friend, a disappointing wife. And it's hurting the people around you. See, the greatest gift that I could give to my family, that I could give to my friends, that I could give to all of you, is the gift of me following after Jesus as closely as possible. Yes, I do it for the sake of God. I do it for my sake, but I also do it for theirs. Have you ever noticed that usually when someone is trying to teach you how to do something, if they want you to really understand how to get some kind of skill or to, to figure something out, they know how to do it already. Right? I'm not going to listen 
to me, this is, let me say it like this, for those of you who know me. If you wanted to learn how to lead worship, you're not coming to me to help you lead worship because I don't know how to lead worship and I'm not good at it. You would go to Andrew or you would go to Sally or you would go to Janine. You would go to those who know how to lead worship and who are good at it. And because they know how to do it, because they're good at it, because they're currently doing it, they can help you do it. It's the same way spiritually. If we're spiritually dead, if we're in a coma, if we're asleep, there's no way that we can help other people grow spiritually. And because of our disobedience, other people are suffering. Some of you, you have kids who are going to grow up and they're going to idolize material things because you have taught them to do that. There's some people that are going to grow up, their kids are going to grow up, and their kids are going to care nothing about church because it hasn't been a priority to you now. Some of you, your kids are going to grow up and they're not going to want a relationship with God because God's never really been real in your life. And this disobedience is causing other people around you to suffer. Maybe God has ordained you and sent you to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to your neighbors, but because of the way that you're living life, because of your disobedience, these neighbors don't hear about Jesus because you're being disobedient. Let me put it this way, and I really hope it registers that your disobedience has eternal consequences, not just for you, but for other people. And I really want that to sink in this morning. Because we think that we can sin privately, that we can sin in secret, and that nobody else is getting hurt. But I want you to know that your secret sin, your private sin, can cause other people to suffer. And sometimes those consequences are eternal consequences. And that's something that we, we just have to understand and grasp and begin to take the proper steps to begin to live a life that is following after Jesus where we stop saying no and we begin to say yes no matter what the cost. And we see as we continue on verse 11 says, Then they said to Him, What shall we do to you? that the sea may quiet down for us. Verse 12, He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Listen, these guys who didn't love God, at least, we'll give them this, they were merciful. They didn't want to throw Jonah overboard. They were like, hey, maybe we can save them. Let's just row harder. So they're in this rowing contest at this point against God, right? Have you ever been in a rowing contest against God? At the beginning, right, right immediately, we say, no, I've never been in a rowing contest against God. 
But here's the deal. Every time we run away from him, we're in a rowing contest against him. We have to stop running away from what God is calling us to do. We have to. Verse 14, Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Now before we, we close this morning, I just want to give you a word picture here, really quick. So these guys throw Jonah overboard. Jonah knows it's his fault. And immediately the sea stops, right? Immediately it stops raging. And then immediately after that, Jonah gets swallowed by a fish, right? And we're going to pick up with that next week. But here's the word picture. It got calm for a minute. And I could just imagine Jonah saying, hey, well, that wasn't too bad. They threw me into the sea. The sea stopped raging. Everything's good. And then it wasn't. And I think that happens in our life. We begin to run away from God. We experience some turmoil. And then all of a sudden, things kind of calm down for a second. And we're like, I knew I made the right decision. And boom, we get hit again. Jonah shows us two things. And we're going to close with this today. The book of Jonah shows us two things. Number one is this. The book of Jonah shows us what a sinner is. It shows us what a sinner is. And again, I, I know that maybe some of you are very religious people, you're spiritual people, and you think that everything is okay. Man, you come to church, you give of your money, of your time, of, of your skills, whatever it may be. You just have really good morals. God's telling you to do something, but it's okay if you say no to this one thing because you're saying yes to all this other stuff. And I want you to know that that is sin. So we sin when we say no to God. Sin isn't just doing the wrong thing. right? We see in the book of James that sin is also knowing what we should do and not doing it. And when God specifically calls you to do something in your life and you say no, you are sinning against God. When God calls me to do something in my life and I say no, I'm sinning against God. The book of Jonah shows us what a sinner is. is someone who is saying no to God. Maybe not in every area, but at least in one. But it doesn't stop there. The book of Jonah, secondly, shows us who the Savior is. See, Jonah had a personal bitterness, distrust, anger, and just overall bad feeling towards the people in Nineveh. And man, wouldn't he have every right to feel that way? Because these people were evil people. These people were cruel 
These people didn't care about anyone but themselves. And Jonah and his friends and his people were the main targets. They were the main victims of this. And Jonah says they don't deserve it. He, he resented them. But we see how this story contrasts how humans think and how God, the Savior of the world, really is. Because while Jonah wanted to see these people punished, God wanted to see them forgiven. While Jonah cared nothing about them, God loved them. And this is, this is the interesting part to me is that a lot of people say, I can't believe that God is so judgmental, that God is so evil, that God is so whatever, throw in the word. They think that God should just accept everything. But the first time that evil is done against us, we want vengeance, right? Especially as a parent. If someone does something bad to your kid, you want vengeance. I'm looking at like all the mamas right now. That's just how it goes. But here, here's the truth. That there was nothing that these people could ever do to Jonah that was worse than what we do to God. He went to the cross for our sin. Jonah didn't even want to go preach to these people because of how evil they were. And God said, hey, I know that you're evil, but I'm going to love you anyway, and I'm going to go to the cross for you. Jonah says, they don't deserve to be saved. And you know what? God says, hey, you don't deserve to be saved, but I love you so much that I want to save you. And if we truly want to follow after Jesus, if we truly want to live on mission, if we truly want to be the church beyond the 52 Sundays of the year, it's going to take us understanding the love of God and showing that love to a world who doesn't deserve it. Because guess what? I didn't deserve it either. And none of you guys deserved it. Our sin put Jesus on the cross. Jonah eventually goes reluctantly to preach. Everything he did was voluntary or involuntary. He, he did not want to do it. Everything that God does for us is because He chooses to do it. And my, my prayer, my heart for each one of us is that we engage in the mission of God. Where are you telling God no? In what area of your life are you saying no? I'm reminded of the story in Daniel chapter 3 where these Hebrew boys have a choice to make. They could 
honor God, they could choose God and be thrown into a fiery furnace, or they could run from God and live in whatever comforts they had in their disobedience. And if you look back at Jonah where he is running from the presence of the Lord, what that really means, the presence of the Lord in Hebrew means the face of God. He knew that he couldn't get away from the presence of God. What he wanted to do is get away from the face of God. And that's a choice that we have to make this morning. Do we value the face of God, the presence of God, so much that we would leave everything else behind? Or are there some things in our life that if we had to give up, if we had to do, if we had to go, that we would run? We would rather hold on to those things in disobedience than face the fire in the presence of God. Let me tell you how your life's going to change forever. It's when you begin to value God and your relationship with Him more than you value anything else in your life. And I'm afraid that we oftentimes choose other things over the face of God. There's no amount of money. There's not a house big enough, a car nice enough, a relationship important enough to make you run away from Jesus. And I know that's hard for us. It's hard for us as husbands, as wives, to say, man, if God sent me somewhere and I had to leave my, my family, I had to leave my husband, I had to leave my kids, would I be able to do it? And I'm not telling you that God's sending you off somewhere to do that. But what I'm telling you is we should value the presence of God and His face so much that even if He did send us, we would be willing to go. That's how we're going to change a community. By saying, God, I value you. And because of your love and because of your mercy and because of your grace and because of who you are, I want to live like you and I want to love people like you love people. And if you call me to go, I'm going to go. If you call me to give up this sin, I'm giving it up. If you call me to walk away from this relationship I know I shouldn't be in, I'm going to walk away because I value your face and your presence more than anything else. That's where we have to be as Christ followers. We have to get to the place in our life where God is more important than anything else. What we're going to do this morning is, and I'm going to ask everyone to just stand up with me. And there's, there's people in this room. There's people in this room that are telling God no. You know that God's calling you to do something. You know that God's got something for you. And it could be a sin to give up. It could be a relationship to walk away from. It could be just putting your, your church family as a priority and, and coming to church. It could be to joining the church. It could be to take your next step 
of baptism. And for some of you this morning, you've never started a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you said a prayer 30 years ago and you have no clue what that meant. And you never truly put your faith and your trust in Him. And today, He's calling you. He's drawing you unto Himself and saying, today is the day I want you to begin to follow after me. It doesn't matter how old you are in this room. It doesn't matter how young you are in this room. God changes lives. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.